Good morning. And good morning online. Thank you for being with us today or whichever day you are watching. Well, the verdict is in. It's a direct tie between the 925 and 1125 service on which is the best looking congregation. It's, it's a tie. And uh, there's not much I can say other than that's what the judging came in at. So thank you for your best efforts at both the 925 and 1125. Although the edge should have gone to 1125 since you had a little more time to get ready. Well, it's uh, good to be with you at 1125, and thank you for tuning in. If there's anybody that uh, was here early or turning in, tuning in online and you were a little early, my apologies if you did not know, but it's really exciting to be here. I was here fairly early again this morning as I am on Sundays, and as I was coming up, there was nobody lined up along the stairways saying, the church has done it. You finally got to two services. There was no Tim Hortons, there was no confetti going through the sanctuary as you walked in as the church today. But it is exciting and we feel it's the next step and an experiment for us to move ahead because what does going to two services do besides require a little more commitment on a bunch of people and the opportunity to serve and open some things up is that it hopefully gives more opportunity for people to come to know the Lord more space to be discipled, to build relationship. And so thank you for jumping on board and giving this a try. A couple, a couple announcements in two Saturdays from now, or uh, Saturday, January 29th, uh, Spoken Word Ministries and Boyd Hopkins will have a seminar here in the building on Saturday the 29th, beginning at 9.30. Uh, you can get uh, the information from... Uh, uh, the church email or from the church office, but it's called Foundations to Dealing with the Demonic, and really it's a seminar dealing with spiritual warfare issues, and we appreciate the verse that says, we, you don't war against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, and yet we don't always talk enough about that. We haven't learned the strategies on how to deal with the spiritual warfare aspects and the enemy that we confront, sometimes unseen in our daily lives and other times too seen, we would, we would think. And so I really encourage you to take in that seminar on the 29th. Uh, two weeks from today, we're beginning our church-wide emphasis called 40 Days of Prayer, and we just finished it, finished a week of prayer and fasting, so thank you to everybody who took part in that, and uh, we were really, really encouraged with the feedback we were getting and getting to pray for a bunch of different prayer requests together. We had worship every evening that there was prayer and as lead up into the prayer times, and so really excited and gives us, bolsters us for the next season of prayer and worship. We do a, a prayer and fasting, I should say. Every year we start off with a week of prayer and fasting, and then at each change of the seasons, spring to summer, or winter to spring, spring to summer, and summer to fall, we do uh, three days of prayer and fasting to kind of refocus us and move forward. One of the things that happened this past week was we canceled the kickoff prayer and worship night on the 9th, and so we're moving that to Sunday, January 23rd, a week from today in the evening. We'll have an actual prayer and, and worship with lingering um, worship together that evening at 7. 40 Days of Prayer begins on January 30th, and what it is is a, a seven, six or seven week emphasis that talks about the purpose of prayer, 
pattern for prayer, how to pray for a breakthrough, how to pray in the midst of a crisis, and, and talks about those, some of those things that maybe too often we just make assumptions that we all know how to do, and then you're in the middle of it and you don't quite know what to do. We all have heard stories and we've heard um, different different ways that people say to prayer, and when you're in the midst of it, if we don't feel a little more grounded, the enemy can just come along and slap us upside the head and have us feeling guilty and condemned rather than praying and confident that our Father still sees us. What do you do when you're in the middle of something and you wrestle with the fact that God must be punishing you? What are you doing when, when you're in the middle of something and you actually know it's because of a choice you made and now you're stuck with the consequences? Guess we got to dig ourselves out of this one before God shows up again. Faulty wrong thinking. There's so much more that we can go into in regards to our prayer life. So we want to talk about that. We're going to be preaching about it. We got these workbooks. It's, it comes from Saddleback Church in the States. And we're doing, a, it's a 40-day journal, but it's also kind of the, the textbook. There's things to learn from it. Whether you get involved in a life group or not, we still want you to get one of these. They're $25. You can pay less or pay nothing if you don't have money to pay for it or have to pay for it over time. And you can pay more if you want to help somebody who doesn't have money to pay and can only pay less. Make sense? The average is $25 we want to make. So if you want to pay more, you pay more. And if you can't, you don't. But uh, life groups begin on January 30th, and after the service at the back, Pastor Glenn will be there registering uh, for the different groups. We have Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Young adults have Saturday as a, as a focus. So just before Pastor Bill comes up to speak today, I want to emphasize this. Life groups are not another program. We didn't create them so that Pastor Glenn would have an excuse to have a job at the Rock Church, so we'd have something to lead. They are actually, as the church grows and has been growing, part of the concern of going to two services is, I won't know everybody. That's everybody's concern. Well, even at one service with 120 or 150 people, you didn't know everybody. You can only know fairly closely a certain number of people. And once a church goes over 40 people, you don't actually know everybody. You're familiar. You recognize faces. You can still love everybody, but you don't actually know everybody. And so as we grow larger... We actually have to grow smaller. And so Life Groups isn't a program that you really just check the box. I'm in this time, I'm out that time, or at least that's not what we would like it to be. There's no pressure and there's times you're in and there's times you're out because of life situations and stuff and that's all fine. But the purpose of Life Groups is for there to be community on a basis where you can actually know somebody and be known. Because on a Sunday we get to gather and worship with a whole bunch of bodies but within the context of life groups and serving together in these smaller kind of communities, that's where you really get to know somebody and that's where they really get to know you. That's really where they get to hear prayer requests and be prayed, praying for and be prayed for. That's where you study together. That's where you learn together. That's where you laugh together. Lots of times people talk about churches as, I had this trouble and nobody did anything for me. Well, sometimes because nobody knows anything or everybody who is a somebody thinks that one person is taking care of it and things get lost in the mix and the shovel of a congregation. And so life groups really are the context for if a loss happens in somebody life, somebody's life, the life group is the one who's praying most. The life group is the one bringing over the food. Somebody graduates and has a party or gets, gets some great news, the life group is the group that celebrates the first and the hardest because they're the ones that know first because that's who you want to share with. The, the life group is the one that celebrates the answered prayer that happens in the context of a smaller group. Is this making sense? So the 
life groups aren't a program. Life groups are the microscopic version of the larger church. And so that's what we want to see happening in the context of life groups. We're not trying to busy everybody's life. We still want to serve. There's times you can be involved. There's times you can miss. I'm not taking, Pastor Glenn, I should say, isn't taking your name in blood at the back. But we would love you to express some interest to try it. And guess what? You try one group, that night doesn't work, or this night doesn't work, you get to mix it around. But Pastor Glenn, next week I'm sure will stay the statement because I'm going to butcher it right now. The people that are in life groups are often the people that you love the least. Life groups is also the context where it's not just always your best friends. But oftentimes God is putting somebody in that group that just kind of rubs you just a little bit enough to sand off that rough edge on you, not that other person. And so we want to give lots of room and space for that. Believe it or not, I'm not the preacher today. I just gave it my best shot. Pastor Bill, you come. Brother Bill, I get to pray for him as he's coming to you today, and uh, you're about to settle in maybe for a little preaching, maybe for a little teaching, but the way I'd like you to see Brother Bill today is in a mentoring statesman type of wisdom speaking to you after decades of loving Jesus and serving in the States and in Canada, that he's sharing insight and wisdom to you based out of his experience. Everybody say, I get it. Now I'm going to get it. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you for Brother Bill, and I thank you for his willingness to step in this week and to cover on short notice for me and I pray that you'd anoint him again thank you for the words you've given him and I pray as it as he shares it again but to fresh hearts that it would go into good ground and soil and you'd stir us in Jesus name everybody said amen bless you let's go that's what we say exactly good morning messy church how about I turn it on say it again Is it messy enough yet? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I get a chance to do it again. Exactly where I want it to be. Boy, your faces are, are really good to see today. I didn't know what to expect, really, what was going to happen today. And I was really unbelievably surprised about what did happen. Uh, on our first service and for those of you hello all you guys out there who didn't want to get up and face the cold and come and be here with us so no no we love you we love you're gonna you're gonna miss the thing that we our performance in the first one because we're talking about messy church to some degree and I'm working on my Olympic moves and in in my in you know and you know, a real good move. I managed to hit this, and everything I've got on here went flying off on the floor. And Dallas jumps up, and he's down there on his hands and knees trying to pick it all up. And, and I'm saying, now, this is the way the church is supposed to be. You know, I make the mess, you pick it up. Kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was really, really good visual learning what it was. And somebody asked me, um, even this morning, um, you ever done this before? I said, yes, I've done this a number of times. Was it pretty hard? I said, well, the only thing I can tell you, I can guarantee you that what you, what's going to happen in one of the services will be better and maybe on other different than that one there. And I've already seen that. I've already seen that because uh, of the reality. I'm, I'm sitting here and, and thinking, and I came I, into my mind as we're, we're moving uh, 
uh, two, two instances out of God's word came to my mind. And, and when we're talking about doing this right here today, what we're, what we're actually doing is we're taking a pretty serious risk to see, you know, how this is going to go and where this is going to fly. Because let's face it, there are a lot of people going to have to do a lot more work. A lot of more things have to come together. It's not, it's not normal. And, uh, and so, so that's a difficulty. So I think of the Holy Spirit whispering into my, into my ear today saying, Bill, what do you think, what do you think, uh, I don't want to say, disappoints the Father the most? When you, when you do something stupid and make a mistake, are you too frightened or willing to take a chance? There's a scripture about that. Him who knows to do what is right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So, so we're in a risk-taking business. That puts us closer to the kingdom of God. Way to go. And join us as, as we go on with this, this whole thing. <clears throat> The other thing I wanted to say that came to my mind is that I have a deep, deep belief that has been bolstered over my life and I learned in, in university and through some good professors is the, is the very simple reality that every, every single person in this room and every person on the face of the earth is significantly different than any other, any other person alive. There are no copies of you. And you might find it somewhere in your Facebook, whatever. Oh, this guy looks like that guy, whatever. Don't even think about it because it's not true. And if that's really true and there's nobody like you, then if we are the father's sons and daughters, and we are, and we go in there and we're in that place and we are coming to the point that we're going to talk to him, nobody, nobody can pray or talk the way you do. Now you put that in mind. This, this, this is how much he has you in his heart. And, and you're embellished in there. And we don't have to call and ask permission. We don't have to get on the phone and wait to see if somebody is there. We're very busy. Please give us your call. And we'll be back to you in six hours later, maybe. Hello. In fact, more often, God is getting me up out and doing something. Say, get up. We've got we to go talk. That's the kind of God we have. And so here we are in this particular situation, not really knowing. In, in, in one of those times in life when we don't really know what's, what's, where it's going. You feel that? I mean, you get something planned and then you have to stop that. Here we go. We don't know. Even, even today, we didn't know if there, we're going to be able to come and do this because of the people who are, who are having great difficulty and shutting everything down in Quebec and Ontario and British Columbia. And we're still in Saskatchewan with some degree of freedom, but we don't know where it's going. And yet in that, there is the reality that God is doing with his people what he wants to do if they have the ears to hear. That continues. That continues. And you have a choice today. You have a choice to either take a long look and think about it or a, chuck, or a chance to say, I'm going to go for that. I, I'm going to go with those crazy people, with the messy church at the rock and see what God has to do. And so becoming prayers, becoming people who are capable, uh, growing, uh, listening to God 
is probably the highest goal of any person's life. Nothing can change the trajectory or the movement of our life in any way more than the ability to hear and follow and listen to God as he speaks to us through all of his creation, through all of his children, through the church, through the school, through your problems, through everything in your life, God is there and he is prepared to speak to you if you are prepared to listen. And, and today we're going to just take a few minutes. The title of that I've called and entitled my sermon is The Many Faces of Prayer. And it, it's, uh, it's a very... A very rich subject. I want to say, first of all, that, that prayer is personal and corporate. That means that there are two types of prayer that you have opportunity to be involved in. Personal prayer is me and God alone. And when you're in God alone, you can't be any, you can't do any phony baloney stuff. You can't, you can't, you can't kind of con him, you know. Sometimes there are people just really good at conning others, and, and that's the way we're going to approach God. Well, God, you know, I'm a really good guy and working on all this stuff, you know, whatever. You know, give, me, give me a break, you know. You can't con God. You have, he knows where you are. He knows where you're going. And yet still with that, there comes this ability that, and, and this is a major thing. As long as you're, I don't want to use the, as long as you're not honest, let's just put it like that. A word comes to my mind. But thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, when you're not doing that to God, then you have a door to be open. And so the point is that we need to have the freedom. And we need to have the conscious that if we are going to have a chance to speak to the creator of the universe, we're not going to have to con him. But then there's the matter of the corporate and some people have more trouble with the personal and some people have more trouble with the corporate because corporate prayer is what you can do. You can't do by yourself. You, and if you, oh, I did it again. Watch it. Get back. <laughs> that that uh, if you can't, some people can't be in, in a group of two. Very, un, very uncomfortable. Other people can't be in a group that's large. And so that's kind of the reason why churches do it differently. And just a very briefly, I, I'm going to give you just a, a summary, an a, a, a overcover summary of, of prayer from the rest of the body of Christ. Because, because we, we pray in many, many different um, environments. We pray, of course, personally. Then we pray as couples. Then we pray as families. Then we pray as churches. And then we pray differently as denominations. And then we pray different, differently around other situations that we are, like whether it's political or, or whatever, some other, some other environment where we're in. So all of those are the facets of prayer. And we need to be moving more into the comfort of both of the both of those issues the uh, the liturgical people the the people who basically and and generally and this is far too too narrow roman catholic anglican orthodox and many others of which you have some they they live and operate in worship based on a 52 sunday 
kind of Christian calendar, and the service is written, and the service is presided over by an official, a priest, a, a bishop, or some other kind of person, and everyone is involved. You, you have this, you read it, you read the same things, you read the same prayers, you listen to the blessings, you, all of this is not something that you can just sit back and watch it happen. I mean, you can, but you, you can't be there. And, and frankly, you'll be pretty noticeable if you're not. So that's part of the situation too. But the reality is that that, that works for some people and some people doesn't. And, I'm, and I want you to hear me very clearly. I'm not saying that you have to do anything. The thing is, the point I'm trying to make is you is that you can't just, you just don't have, and I'm, I'm frustrated, but I've got a, I've got a friend and he's, a, he, he's, he's kind of a good friend. And all he does is complain and complain, complain about what, how crappy the church is. And okay, so I know, I know I've seen, I've seen tremendous amount of garbage as a pastor. You see that, you see, you see all kinds of, all kinds of junk from all kinds of things. And, and sometimes you're part of the problem. So you have to get to the end of the line or whatever. But, but the reality is that, that it is in our pursuit that we can't just complain that everybody's doing it. The question is, where do you belong? Where do you need to hang your hat? Where is the place that you know that God wants you to be? That's a holy place. That's an essential place. And it's something that a lot of, that some Christians, I won't be, that, that we're not really led to understand that and to recognize that. Because I want to say to you, you have a power to change the world. You have a power to change your family. You have a power to change your ugly neighbor who's so absolute, what a jerk. You have so many places that, that God will use you and take you if, he, if you can come to the point that you will allow him to teach you how to pray. Amen? Each of us have a story. You have a story in all your life about your relationships to prayer. I don't, you don't have a problem saying this is, this is how we prayed when, when was home with mom and dad when I was a child. This is, this is how we prayed there. Then we went to Aunt Sue's house. It's different. And then if we got to do, go to the family reunion, it was totally different. There were a lot of things that were there. And we always had some weird uncles or whatever, you know, all those people that, that made life crazy and, and whatever. Or maybe a brother-in-law that's particularly obnoxious, you know, whatever. But, but all, of the, all of us have those things. And a lot of times, those are the places where the, where the religion conversation gets going. And, you know, it just, you say, oh, I'll never go back there again. But the reality is that, that we're affected by those and they're part of all our life. I grew up in a military family. My dad was, a, was an officer in the... United States Air Force and served there for 30 years, moved a lot. I was in nine different schools before I was in grade five, just moving. We, we did not attend church regularly. We didn't pray together. My parents were good people, but church was a small part of their lives until my father's, until my father's retirement. And uh, then about that time, they decided to go different ways. And as a teenager, my parents were divorced, and my sister was desperately going through extreme difficult. My mom taught me to read and encouraged me to read the Bible. Dad taught me to work. Jeannie and I were both 
brought into this world, into the, the Baptist womb. The Southern Baptist was our group, the largest Protestant group in the world. And life, life was simple, and it was very clear. At Sunday morning, you get up, and you go to Sunday school, and you go to church. And then Sunday afternoon, you go to, you go to youth group and all that, as well as Sunday night church. And then on Wednesday, you go to Wednesday night for prayer meeting, which had all of these other groups that are meeting there at the same time. So you're spending all this time at church and all of this time with, with praying and, and all of that going on. And that just becomes the way you think, well, that's what everybody does. That's, that's the way it is. But, it, but it's not so. So I grew up in a Baptist environment and I, I lived through it. I still have magnificent lifelong friends who are very much involved with that. Because individuals, you know, I'm, I'm, let me run this rabbit quickly. I have people who say, you know, how in the world, how, can, how in the world can you go to church? And Because there are just so many hypocrites there. Well, truth is, that's right. I'm one of them, Okay. We all have this, these places in our life where we recognize that, that, that we're kind of playing the thing and not really straight. As we, and, and periodically, there has to be that straightening in our life, and God is good about doing that. But, but the point is that, that we, we have the power to move forward in prayer in ways that no one else can ever give us. So I want to, let's, I want to get to the, to the basics of what I want to say today. I want you to read with me in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. I'm going to, to read this. And uh, then after that, we're going to go to chapters, I mean, chapter 11, verse 9. And I want you to do some responsive reading with me, like might be done in a liturgical church, that will perhaps hopefully bring this closer to us. This is Luke 11.1. 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive others who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. That's where it ends in Jesus' prayer right here in Luke 11. If you go to, Mark, to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 to 9, there are further words in there. And you'll realize that over the years, this became the Lord's Prayer that was used. And it's part of every church, as I ever known, uh, liturgy or use in, in the situation. Now, what I want you to do in order to really grasp this, as we go to, to verse 9, I want to I read, and I want to ask you to repeat after me, if you will. So this is, we got it up here, guys. Okay. <clears throat> And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be open. That's all you have to do. That's extreme. You can't take any of those away, but those are the three elements that are required in order to be able to communicate with the Father. And it's important that, that we grasp that for, for what it is. And, I, and so then it's important with that basic thing, and then it's important also to recognize, and I'm going to read the rest of this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek Him? He's the least known, perhaps because he doesn't get as much publicity. I don't know what you would say. But God the Spirit is not typically the place that most people find their home. Charismatic Pentecostal people more so. That's just, uh, that's another whole story that's whatever. But what, what really is important is that if you are coming to the point or approaching the point that you can consider the fact of how important this is, then there are three things you have to do. You have to recognize that, that your prayer is, your praying is going to be based Almost 99% of how you perceive God to be. If you think God is Santa Claus, you're going to ask for some Christmas present. If you think he's a dirty old man, you're going to stay out of the way. If you think he's a cop, you're going to run for him. But, but if, if it, who we picture God to be. Now, the next thing is you'll never, you'll never, ever know who God is. I know people who have nothing to do with God, and they have no idea because their God comes from YouTube, Facebook, video, all of the movies, whatever, where, where God is depicted. And so much of that is just completely outside, in fact, contrary to the person uh, that who, uh, of who God is. And so the next thing that's crit critically important, and sometimes we leave this in the hands of, of preachers or, or religious people, whatever, and, you know, well, I think it's okay to read the Word of God, but it, it doesn't, really, doesn't really turn me on. But the tr truth of the matter is that there is no greater power on the face of the earth than the Word of God. You start at Genesis 1-1 or about 1-3, and the Lord, in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. Earth was out form and board, and darkness came on the water, and God spoke. And there was light. <laughs> I heard a most amazing thing this last week, and I'm going, I'm running these rabbits. Give me. I couldn't believe it. There, there, you've, heard, you've heard even on your radio this, this new interstellar uh, space um, mirror that's going to take pictures beyond anything we've ever seen. Have you heard some of that? This, this is something science has been working on for a, a number of years, and it ha it, it's supposed to take us like 10 times beyond where we can go right now to something like 80 billion miles away. Light travels at the speed of 186,000 feet per second. Now, what they're saying is that we're going to be able to go back in time 
because we'll be able to see what it's like where they'll think because it because of the time whatever it took for that light to get us and we're, we're and we're seeing it now so if you can see it that much further before it's transmitted now i don't know how much of that is true i believe they they are able to do what they say they're able to do but one of the things that just just you know i just had to almost get on my knees and say god my God is, in my, in my mind, my God is too small. You're bigger. You're bigger than I understand. And the older I, I longer I live, the older I become, the more I'm, I'm sure of that. So it, it's important that, that this word of God begins to enter your mind because it will change you. And I want to say again, as I'm looking at the video of my life, as I'm writing, putting this sermon together, and I see a lot of things. I see death of parents. I see difficulty and heartache with my, my sister married five times, five children. I see, I see Jeannie's cancer. I see our own sons in great difficulty. I see times that I was so blessed it was impossible to think that it was something that good was happening to me. I've had people that were that were really rotten to me and, and were very destructive. And then I've had a whole group of people, by the grace of God, I have still some of them living, who have been the best people I've ever known in my life, who have been rich and strong and faithful. And only, the only thing it takes is a phone call for them to come. The degree that the Spirit speaks to you and the ability that we have to, to see and hear what God has to say is the greatest gift in our life. But it's important, and I'm, 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 I'm winding down, it's really important that, that we consider how God answers our prayers. For most of us, as we start off, we're only interested in can you give me or will you give me what I want? And it has to be this color, and I want it to be right now before Friday. That's where we start. And you know that's not a bad place to start. If that's your beginning time you're praying to God and you're six years old or even 10 or 40, that's okay. But the reality is if you're still praying that kind of prayer and, and you've got the bottle and the, and the diapers and you're a teenager, there's a serious problem. And so that's, that's something that we, we have to look at clearly. But then look at, look at the many other ways. What I'm trying to, to say to me and to you is that, that we have to understand God's answer to our prayers in a so much larger dimension because sometimes God says, wait. Wait. Over and over in the Psalms and throughout the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, it talks about waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And, and, and he will, he will, we will mount up like wings of eagle. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint because, because that's what's required to receive God's blessing. Now, why that's good and Noah Parson didn't get to speak, and he, he had this wonderful sermon here that was just so good that I, I keep saying, God is, always knows the time. He's always, he's always on time, all the time. 
You think about that. You think about that. Where in the world can you possibly get anything else that knows the time? And, and you know, I have a friend, Robert Hooker, and he's a, he's a longtime missionary and, and student worker, a great man. And I've always said Robert's greatest gift was that he had, it, and it didn't, it, it wasn't Robert was rich, he's not a poor man, but, but he always had the ability, more than any human I ever knew, as well as and me as his friend, of giving the right thing at the right time. Do you know anybody like that? I don't, I don't have that gift. I pick out $25 a dollar, I'll get it, okay, get him on, here we go. Jeannie spends hours, hours, looking for the right cards. <laughs> she is a masterful card selector. <laughs> and they're so important and so meaningful to me, I have, I have a pile of them that I can't throw away. And, she, and now, since she's got the computer, she does even that much more. What do you do? You're doing, some, you're doing something or able to do something that nobody else can do as good as you do. You know? And that, that's, that's a gift of God that comes from the Word. Okay, sometimes God can say no. And I said earlier, I, I'm not a diehard fan of Garth Brooks, but, I love, but the one, I just, the song that comes to my mind as I say that word, that Garth Brooks does this song, Thank God for unanswered prayers. How many, how many times in your life have you just thought you had to have something? It, it, was, it was just like, and you know, I guess maybe a little bit, the hardest time of your life is when you're, when you're a teenager. I wrote in here that when I was a teenager, mom and dad, I, I had a car, and my interests were the car and football and girls. All of those, that was my whole world, and, and, and I have to add a horse or two. That was, that was my whole world. And if I, if I couldn't get it, my life was over. You hear? Can any of you go there with me? Let's, have, let's see an honest hand. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there's a time in your life said, you know, this thing, it just, it just gets in our mind and we have to have it. And our life is not really kind of like worth living in. Whatever. But then I also talked this morning about the great sadness. And this, this is a place where I think you and I, we need to step up, and I think this is a great place to do it. How many, I think about, and I just weep, and, and particularly the place that I've spent a good bit of time still there is Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan. If any of you are here, I don't want to. But it, it's, it, let me just put it this way. From the people in that world, I have seen more of the tragedy, to me is the worst tragedy I ever see, when a young person has experienced, not even gotten to 20 or maybe even 17. And, and I have a dear, dear pastor friend who's older son. Anyway, they got to this point in life, he broke up with this girl, and when those young people take their life. That's, that's the greatest tragedy that I can possibly understand. And so I, I, I pray, I pray that, um, that we will be sensitive to that and that God will show us those people when they come to grasp on and say, I want to hold on to you because you're in that kind of situation. I'm going to hurry along. 
So God can also say, you choose. We talk like Elijah and Elisha with their recent sermons that we have been given in this church, and I'm going to face another rabbit. I hope you're, hope you're attentive and, a, and, a, and a, uh, an adept worshiper because in the last number of months, and I won't, uh, we, have, we have heard in this place and this environment some of the finest messages I've heard in my life. And some of the best situations about dealing with ki- with kids that you could ever you could ever see. That's not because we got the bucks to get the right guys or we know all the right people. It's just it's just that God is is choosing to work in and through this particular body. So so the point here that the, the God God can sometimes say, okay, um, this is what you want. You can. You can choose what you want to do. Maybe, maybe about, you know, you're, a lot of times young people about what do I do with my life, God, or whatever, whatever. Even if it's just something as deeply as important as whether it's, a, whether it's a Pontiac or a Dodge, you know, that's deeply important. But God would say, okay, you choose. That's just what the father does. That's what a good father does, perceiving the children. And then, then the other thing, and I talked about this, it's, uh, it's very critical that we recognize God can also say nothing. That's the hard one. It's called, often called, a dark night of the soul. And it happens in the lives of any and every Christian. We go through these places and our prayers are not going beyond the top of our head. Nothing is going the right way. We feel like that God, even though we love him, is not listening. And, uh, and so we're, we're caught in that situation. And, and then we start, as Dallas was pointing out, start questioning what we're doing and whether we should do it right and whatever else. When it comes to that thing, it is, it is extremely important, having been on both sides of that personally, that you, don't, that you don't make your judgments on just what you see and feel, but that you make your judgments on what you trust that God, if you are saying, Lord, I'm open, come and speak to me, trust that he will do that and that you will go on. And then there's another one that to me is a, is a little more fun today. Um, I didn't expect Dallas and Lee and Brooklyn to be here today. I thought they're still going to be in the, in, the, in, the, in the prison ward where they couldn't get out with the, with the COVID jail. And I could, I could just feel the tension in Dallas' voice as he's calling me. And I laughed and told him, I said, this morning, I said, well, I, I, I figured that, that Paul, that, uh, the Dallas had already called 10 other guys and they said no and so he was desperate and calling me you know anyway so I did that and I could feel the, the tension in his voice you know I said after just like he said this morning beginning there were no bands there were no nothing not only that there were no bands but then then God says okay Dallas uh, it's okay that we're doing this but you're not you're not going to start it what that's where I threw it. What? What do you mean, God? 
I've been working here. I've been here for 40. I've been up and down. I've been, I can't go any further. And as far as I can go, how can you say this to me? Now, that's not how I reacted, but it's, it's a very natural human thing, and we all do it. I had been down the road a little bit further than Dallas, and I've had some of those same kinds of feelings as a pastor or whatever. But, but the important thing that I believe is that the, another thing that God can say to us is that I hear your prayer. I have a better plan. And sometimes that means, that means that uh, you're supposed to sit down and shut up. <laughs> You're doing very well. You're doing very well. But you're supposed to sit down and, and recognize that if this church thing is anything like God is doing, that, that, we, that we need is that he is, he is not only speaking to us, but he's speaking to other people. And that we're not, we, we don't have, we're not called or supposed to do it all. In fact, one of the best things we ever do is get other people involved and take them by the hand and say, let's go. Come go with me and see if you like it. I just about did it again. <laughs> so when you, you want to learn to pray and grow in prayer, summarizing quickly, you make it a daily practice to tell God everything in your heart. You open the Bible and you say, God, speak to me. Don't ever make the mistake that I make frequently and I catch myself and it's desperately wrong. I, I caught myself doing it in some way. Don't ever catch yourself saying, I can't do anything but pray. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just stay here, and I hurt so much, and I want to help those people so much. I don't know how to do that, and I can't do anything and pray, anything but pray. My wife had this saying years ago, prayer should never be, prayer, I should say it this way, prayer should always be your first action and never your last resort. That's wisdom. You want to grow in prayer? Thank God for your problems. Include prayer as a central part of your morning ritual. Get up, get the coffee, do whatever you have to do like you're normal and take a few time, a, a moment and spend it with God and then ask, seek, and knock. God is faithful. God is never late. God is always on time. God knows your name and has a plan for you. 
And so to conclude our, our worship today, I want to do something a little more liturgical. I want to ask you to read with me um, this prayer, a prayer of dedication that is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, 20, and 21. As I, as I read this again a couple of weeks ago, I was just, I was just deeply impressed that this is a prayer that needs to be prayed over everything in my life and a prayer that to be prayed over this church on this day in this circumstance. And so if you'll rise with me and you can read with me and I, we will read it together. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom to be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Walk with Christ. Learn to pray. Thank you, Dallas.